Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhina astafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rusuli wa khatim al-anbiya. Wa ala alihi laskiya wa ashabihi latqiya amma ba'd. We were speaking of some of the solutions to dealing with arrogance. <clears throat> we were speaking of some of the solutions to arrogance. One of the things the ulama highlight is to deal with arrogance and this is also very effective in preventing it from the get-go, from the beginning, is spending time to internalize the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always remembering that everything that you have in your life is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That no matter how great a thing you see in front of you that's praiseworthy, desirable, a dream to accomplish, greater than all those dreams is our Lord, our Master, our Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why when the salah time approaches, the mu'addin calls the ummah by saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah is greater than, Allah is greater than. And if you notice how I translated this, if we look at it, it's almost incomplete. You can say Allahu Akbar is in the meaning of Allahu Kabir, and that'll be simple. Allah is that Allah is great, Allah is the greatest. But if we say Allah is greater than, if we translate it as an ism tafdeel, then that means that there is something in the statement that remains. And what is Allah greater than? And that's your opportunity to fill in the blank, whatever you're doing in that moment. Right now, I'm sitting here watching TV, the adhan goes on. For me, the statement is Allah is greater than my entertainment. I'm working out and the adhan goes on. Allah is greater than this, this exercise that I'm doing. While I'm at work, it's time for me to close that store down. If I'm sleeping, it's time for me to get up. Throughout the day when we're praying salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us an opportunity to prove again and again, day in and day out, that we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than everything else. Salah, if prayed properly, if a person responds to adhan the correct way that when they hear it, they leave and they move on. We have this bad habit of silencing the adhan because it's on our phones. We always have an excuse for why the adhan needs to be shut off. Most of us don't let the mu'addin on our phone even get through the first statement. He starts the name of Allah and we silence him right there, we choke him. That don't go any forward because clearly what I'm doing right now is more important. This is not the way to do things. The way to do it is that no matter what it is that you're doing, it doesn't matter what you're doing, when the adhan goes off, you go silent. You have to learn to hit pause on your life and stop believing that whatever it is that you are committed to and that you love is more important than someone calling you towards salah. And then when we come to salah, we see the same statement throughout. 
Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Samia Allahu Liman Hamida, Rabbana Walakal Hamd, Rabbana Lakal Hamd, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. All of this is about embedding in the mind of the individual, of the Muslim, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's greatness supersedes all. When a person glorifies Allah and internalizes this, their view of themselves slowly goes down. And here we're not interested in killing confidence when I say letting your image of yourself go, but here we're speaking of dealing with arrogance. That that arrogance begins to diminish and dissipate and it disappears because you understand that whatever it is that you have and whatever's going on, the call of Allah is greater. Similarly, the ulama suggests to develop humbleness in yourself. This is a topic that inshallah I wish to address later on. But for now, when a person is humble, it is a direct uh, sort of cure to, a direct response to arrogance. An easy way to be humble is to be in the khidmah of other people, to serve other people. When you're walking into the masjid, just spend 30 seconds and open the door for the person behind you. Not even 30, that's too long, 10 seconds. If you see someone's shoes that are not on the rack, just pick them up and put them there for them. You're going to get water, someone else is coming right behind you. Don't make them reach for the water. Why? You're already reaching for the water. Why can't you just get two bottles out and give it to the person behind you? If you're getting napkins or tissues to wipe yourself down, and there's someone else behind you in line, why can't you offer them a napkin? Is it too hard to do? If you're standing in line for iftar and another person is behind you, why not hand them a plate? Does it hurt you? Does it decrease you in any way? Tawadu is learned through khidmah. This is why the mashayikh always embedded in students the importance of khidmah, that you have to serve other people, learn to serve them. Parents teach their children from a young age to serve them. It's common in many cultures that when the father or mother need water, they'll ask the children. It's not because they're not capable of getting up and getting themselves a cup of water. Anyone can do that, right? For God's sake, you've probably purchased this home or, and you've built an empire. Why can't you get up and go get your own water? It's not that. There were times I remember one of my teachers once asked me to get water. I went and I got him some water. I put it next to him. He didn't drink it. The next day he asked for water again. I got the water. I put it next to him. He didn't drink it again. After a few days, I asked him, I said, Sheikh, why do you keep asking me to get you water if you're not going to drink it? He said, well, I ask you to get me water so you learn how to do khidmah, not because I'm thirsty, you can drink it if you'd like to. Like th this was an exercise of you learning to do khidmah, that go and get water for your teacher, learn how to serve it, there is a way to serve water. And he would scold us if we held a cup too high because he would say, the person's lips are going to make contact there, hold it from a lower place, serve it with the right hand, lower yourself down, don't just bend over and give it, lower yourself to the ground, be an eye level with that person and humbly offer it to them. Don't just leave right away. After you offer the water, ask them, is there something else I can do? Be mindful of noticing them finishing and take the cup before they have to put it away themselves. These are all akhlaq and adab of just serving water. Shaykh Yunus Ta'ala, who was a great muhaddith of our time, passed away recently. I remember I had the honor of doing hajj with him many years. So during hajj season, we, the younger students, would take the responsibility of setting up food and putting things away. One particular day, I remember, it was after Isha Salah, we were in Makkah Mukarramah in the Ajiyad area. And it was in his hotel room, so many ulama would come to meet him. So after Isha, they put the khawana, they put the, uh, the sufra out, the tablecloth, and we all sat. And I was putting the food down, and I recall this, at some point I stepped over 
the, the tablecloth rather than walking around it. He became very upset. And he scolded me. He said, what kind of person are you? Did no one ever teach you manners? That you step over it? This is something that we teach children, that when you serve food, you walk around the tablecloth. You don't walk over it. You don't step where the food is going to be. He scolded me proper. He gave it to me that day. I went outside and I was very sad. And then he, the food was being served and he noticed that I wasn't there. So then, for some reason, he used to call me Kalaposh. Had something to do with the type of thobes that I would wear. So he said, go call him. So I came and I was very sad. And he said, Oh, look, you became sad so quick. Then he said to me, the reason why I tell you guys these things and I'm so firm is because if you do khidmah, you have to do it with ihsan. You have to do it properly. Learn to do things right. We are here to teach you guys because our teachers taught us this too. He was so kind that at that time I was in my mid-teens, he then said to me, come sit next to me and eat from my same plate. And it was an honor for me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me that opportunity to sit with him. But it came after a nice big, a rollicking they call it in England, a scolding. Because khidmah is very important. And it's in that khidmah that things don't always work out right. Sometimes someone won't appreciate you doing something for them. And that's a test of your sincerity whether you keep doing it or whether you walk away. It's easy to walk away when people don't say thank you to you. And it's easy to hang around when everyone does appreciate you. But your moment of sincerity is tested and your arrogance is checked. Your ego is put away in your back pocket when you keep doing it anyway. I'll share one more example. When we were students in Madrasa, we were in the final years of our studies and the students in the final year had a responsibility of, you know, kind of making sure the toilets were clean, the showers were clean. There were hundreds of students. We had almost five, six hundred students in boarding, so it was a very busy place. In that final year of our studies, we also had the responsibility of preparing for class, like everyone else. And not just any class, we were doing all six sitta, all six collections of hadith. So there was a lot of reading involved. So a few students went to one of our teachers and said, Sheikh, is it possible that we pull some money together as classmates and we hire a janitor to do the cleaning so we can dedicate more time to reading? We have a lot of studying to do and a lot of preparation. May Allah reward the Sheikh, Rahimahullah. He said to us that you think the madrasa doesn't have the budget for a janitor? Of course we have the budget. But we do this so you learn to be humble. And no matter how busy your life gets when you're serving the ummah, you don't forget about khidmah because this is where people are made. Sheikh Mutawalli al-Sha'rawi, someone once told me an incident of him that there was a dars that he had. He was a famous scholar and mufassir of the Qur'an, very well known among students of knowledge. He once had a dars and the whole masjid was packed and full. You know, that's how his durus were, wall to wall. People would gather from everywhere to listen to him. So when he arrived at the dars, he peeked inside the masjid, saw a big crowd, and he didn't go into the masjid. He went somewhere else. Everyone's waiting, where's the sheikh? Where's the sheikh? Why is he not here? So someone went to go look for him. He went to the bathrooms and he saw Sheikh Sha'arabi on the ground scrubbing the toilets. So he said to Sheikh, what are you doing here? The majma'ah is waiting for you. The gathering is waiting in the masjid. And he said, when I saw the crowd, arrogance entered into my heart. And this is where arrogance is cleaned. You remind yourself of what you're supposed to be doing, khidmah of people. 
I would do khidmah of them if I'm teaching, and this what I'm here doing is also khidmah. It's changing your mindset. Being a leader, being in a prominent position does not make you superior to people. Rather, Rasulullah teaches us, Sayyidul Qawm, Khadimuhum. The leader of the people in reality is there. He's their servant. That's his job. He shouldn't expect people to come and shake his hand and, and to address him with titles. He should do that for people. That you stand at the door when people are walking out and say salam to them. How are you doing? Assalamu alaikum. Everything well? How's the family? You greet people. This is how you get rid of arrogance. You walk around the masjid, you see trash, you pick it up from the ground. It's amazing that sometimes Muslims walk past trash that's lying in the masjid and either it doesn't register that it's dirt, which is a peculiar problem, right? That's not a good thing. That speaks volumes of what kind of life you're probably living. Or they notice it and they still walk past it. Our mashayikh would teach us that the ones who take care of the masjid, Allah will always take care of them. You clean the house of Allah, Allah will clean your house of not only the physical, but spiritual, social, all the impurities you can think of, Allah will take care of them for you. You provide for the house of Allah, Allah will take care of your house. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises in the Quran, وَهَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ That you think you're more generous than Allah? That you'll do something for Allah and Allah won't do it back? Even if you buy your friend a slice of pizza, he'll buy you one back too. This is the normal bakhil, da'if, weak human being that he understands basic, you know, uh, how to be uh, kind to someone that's been kind to you. What about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The generosity of Allah is greater than this. One of the um, key solutions is learning to be humble. And an easy way to implement this in your life is through khidmah and serving other people. In your life, you'll have this opportunity. And it doesn't need to be Muslims. It could be anyone. It could be your neighbor. It could be someone you're driving past. You're, on the, you're driving on the road. And for some of us, this may be a foreign idea, but I invite you to doing this. You see someone pulled over? Stop for a second. Ask them, what can I do? Can I help you in some way? Can I help push your car over? You need to jump? I got a cable in the back. We can do this very easily. These moments create humbleness in you. Ulama of the past would dedicate time just doing khidmah of animals because they would say this creates humbleness in a person. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said every prophet was a shepherd. Every prophet, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said they were, they were shepherds doing khidmah of animals. Someone asked Umar bin Khattab radiallahu an, how did you become such a great leader? Umar radiallahu an responded by saying that al-ibl al-ibl, it was the camels, it was the camels. Before, when I was young, before even becoming Muslim, his father used to send him to graze animals. He would look after camels. That's why pets are important even in your own tarbiyah, if that's your cup of tea, not my cup of tea. But for those of you that are into animals and pets, that's your cup of tea. That'll help you. He said, before I, when he was young, كنت أرعى إبر الخطاب I used to graze the camels of my father, Khattab. وكان رجلا فضا غليظا my father was a very harsh and rough man. That when I would work, he would exhaust me, make me work extra hard. Make me tired. And if I fell short of my task, what would he then do? He would give me a beating or two as well. That was my father. 
He said, it was through looking after camels that I learned patience. I learned siyasa. I learned that I couldn't treat all animals the same. Otherwise, the unique animals that needed special attention would die and I would lose out. So I had to focus on them individually, but I couldn't just focus on them as individuals because if I focused too much on the individual animals, I wouldn't take care of them as a group. So I had to create a balance between managing the animals individually and then managing them as a group. By the way, this statement of Omar has been the most profound lesson that I have learned in parenting. This one lesson. Because if you internalize that lesson and you really pay attention, you will learn what tarbiyah means. That you have to focus on the individual at times where you get to know everyone, but at the same time you have to treat them as a jama'ah, as a group. It goes with teaching, goes with parenting, goes with everything. And Umar his humbleness was manifested. He was not an arrogant person. When he entered into Quds, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve Quds and, and, and give salama to those living there and protect the masjid. You guys are all familiar with what's happened this past few days. Such a sad state. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give hidayah to the dhalim or destroy them. May Allah give hidayah to the dhalim. Ameen. And if he does not give hidayah to them, Ya Allah, give them their their, their response they deserve in the dunya and in the akhirah. In Ramadan, in the masjid, while people are worshipping. This kind of stuff. No khawf of Allah, Allah. Brazen bullying. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide and protect and reward those that are patient. Umar radiallahu anh, when he entered into Quds, they couldn't tell if he was a leader or a servant. Because they were so used to seeing Roman emperors and generals entering into cities and he would come, they would come with massive entourages and soldiers and this man is coming solo. Just a humble, simple person. When Umar radiallahu anh came to Sham, he went to visit Abu Ubaid ibn Jarrah radiallahu anh, who was the leader of the people of Sham, appointed by Umar radiallahu anh. When he became Khalifa, one of the first things he did was he appointed Abu Ubaid ibn Jarrah radiallahu anh, as the leader. He went there and Umar radiallahu anh, noticed because they were in Sham, big city. These were Bedouins that were from Arabia, now they're living in New York. So they're all suited up and they're all walking dapper. So Umar radiallahu anh laughed and said, since when have Bedouins started dressing like this? Look at these guys, they're all wearing robes. These guys are Bedouins, you're supposed to be wearing Bedouin clothes, not robes. So then he finally made it to the house. He said to the people, take me to Abu Ubaidah's house. Where is the person who I appointed? I want to see his living standards. It was very strict. He went himself. When he entered, he looked around everywhere. All the furniture and everything. Then he looked at Abu Ubaidah head to toe and said to him, there was no furniture, he was wearing tattered garments. And Umar radiallahu anh said, Abu Ubaidah, everything changed after Sham but you. You didn't change. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was truthful when he said, وَأَمِينُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah That Abu Ubaidah is a trustworthy, he is the Amin of this Ummah. You didn't change. Wealth didn't change you. You're still wearing the same tattered garments, living in the same simplicity. This humbleness must be adopted. It'll help you deal with arrogance. Look for opportunities to serve other people. And deal with arrogance as soon as you can. Before it outgrows you and becomes very difficult to tackle. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects and guides us all. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma la tu'akhidna. Bima yaquluna anna. 
This is a dua that we want to say, Ya Allah, do not hold us accountable for what they say about us. Because people will always pray you and have thoughts of you. Oh Allah, make us humble in our eyes and great in the eyes of others.